0: Welcome to The Word Encounter, episode 169, where we will be picking things up in the book of Amos, chapter 4. Um, the section title says, Social and Spiritual Corruption. First one, listen to this message. You cows of Bashan, <laughs> who are on the hill of Samaria, women who oppose the poor and crush the needy, who say to their husbands, bring us something to drink. So the word is, call, is calling the women, and the word implies these are the uh, wealthy women who are on the hills of Samaria, call them cows of Bashan. You know, you who are sleek and well-fed and whatnot, who say to your husbands, bring us something to drink. You know, sitting back in your lap of luxury, commanding your husbands to bring you stuff in order to satisfy your desires. <laughs> Verse 2, it says, The Lord God has sworn by his holiness... Look, the days are coming when you will be taken away with hooks, every last one of you with fish hooks. And so the Lord obviously is not proud by their lifestyle. He's not proud um, you know he, he he's offended by their lifestyle, if you will. And he, he's like, look, the days are coming when all this is going to come to an end, and you're going to be taken away with fish hooks. Mm, mm, mm. Let's drop down here to verse uh, 6 here, and it says, wait a minute, yes, okay, (laughs) lost my place here. It says, God's discipline for Israel's apostasy. And it says in verse 6, I gave you absolutely nothing to eat in all your cities, a shortage of food in all your communities, yet you did not return to me. Also, I withheld the rain from you while there was still three months until harvest. Yet you did not return to me. I struck you with blight and mildew. The locusts uh, devoured your many gardens and vineyards, your fig trees and olive trees. Yet you did not return to me. I sent plagues like those of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword. Yet you did not return to me. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Yet you did not return to me. And so the word is saying, I did all these things. I sent all of this tragedy, all of this calamity, all of this disaster. I sent all of this on you. Yet not in any of these things did you return to me. In verse 12, it says, therefore, Israel, that is what I will do to you. In other words, the Lord is saying, therefore, you didn't return to me. I won't return to you. And since I will do that to you, the the word is saying, and since I won't return to you, well, you might as well come on home. Israel, prepare to meet your God. (laughs) So he's saying, you never return to me, therefore I'm turning my back on you, and therefore prepare to meet your God, Israel. Mm, mm, -hmm, mm. Let's go on to chapter 5. Let's drop down here. And it says uh, in verse 4, section title says, Seek God and live. For the Lord says to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel or go to Gilgal or journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will certainly go into exile and Bethel will come to nothing. And so what is God saying? here? He's basically saying, look, I'm going to draw an analogy here. He's saying, look, don't go looking for me in certain particular places. See, you don't have to go to here. You don't have to go there. You don't have to go to a church building. You don't have to go to a different place, a different city, a different country. He's saying, seek me where you are. Sincerely seek me and live. You know, don't be trying to go to these different places because you think they may offer sanctuary and you're going to be safe and secure there. Seek me wherever you are, sincerely seek me wherever you are and live. See? But one can only do that if one in fact believes, if one in fact knows inside in the heart. One can't just do that out of some, uh, uh, some ritualistic traditional tendencies. It has to be done sincerely. Because uh, those who sincerely believe in God know that he can be found anywhere if we sincerely seek with our hearts. It's not about a place. It's not about a location. Seek and you shall find. Verse 10. What does verse 10 say? Uh, They hate the one who convicts the guilty at the city gate. And they despise the one who speaks with integrity. You see, this sounds like Isaiah 520. You know, and it says uh, those who call, you know, to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who call uh, evil good and good evil. And so we, have, we live in a society that, uh, today where, you know, the things of righteousness, it says, and they despise the one who speaks with, with integrity. You see, the, the, the things of righteousness people come down on and the things uh, that represent evil, people want to elevate and celebrate. See, if you represent righteousness and whatnot, you're, you're susceptible to being called old fashioned or out of touch or not relevant or any of these things. Whereas you uh, represent evil, represent uh, things of a wicked nature, then you're liable to be celebrated. This is the word. This, you know, this word is thousands of years old and it's calling out this behavior that we see today. Verse 14, it says, pursue good and not evil so that you may live. And the Lord, the God of armies will be with you. As you have claimed. So remember uh, that the Israelites were were good for for uh, uh, stating slogans, as the Lord God lives, you know, th- thus and such, you know. So they would you know call out cliches and slogans and and whatnot. But there was no sincerity in their heart. It was just traditional. It was just things that they would say, part of the part of the language. Okay. But the word here says that that if you pursue good and not evil, so that you may live he says, when you make these claims, then those claims will be valid. It's not that the claims aren't valid. It's not that they're just cliches. They are valid, but they have to come from a sincere heart, motivating a sincere mouth. It says in verse 15, hate evil and love good. A lot of people say, well, God is a God of love. He doesn't hate. Yeah, God does hate. Let's let's be very clear about this. God does hate. What does he hate? He hates evil. He hates sin. That's what he hates. He hates evil, he hates sin. He hates the behavior. See, he hates the mindset behind these things. He hates these things. And which begs the question, one has to accurately define what is evil. Because if, if we're in a, a modern and common times where evil is good and good is evil, then people can be thinking that this that this good thing is really evil, so therefore I'm gonna hate that evil, which means that they're really gonna hate good. See, one can get confused, but you have to accurately define and identify what is in fact evil and what in fact represents good so that you can accurately hate evil and accurately love good. It says, hate evil and love good. Establish justice at the city gate. Perhaps the Lord, the God of armies, will be gracious uh, to the remnant of Joseph. And so remember that when the Lord talks about the destruction of Israel and Judah and whatnot, there's always that remnant. See, there's always that remnant that's being left behind in the land. And so he's never totally destroying this and the people. He's always leaving a remnant. And so let's see. Let's drop down here to verse 18. It says, the day of the Lord. It says, woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Now, this is very important. The day of the Lord that is being spoken of here is essentially the day of judgment. The day when the Lord will render his judgment on the lands and the people. And we have a lot of people in the church that are looking forward to the day of the Lord because they despise the people who aren't of the Lord or the people that they think aren't of the Lord. So they have a vengeful mindset. See, they say, I can't wait to the day of the Lord so these people can get what they deserve. There's a caution here. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. The word says, what will the day of the Lord be for you? And it answers, it will be darkness and not light. Now, he's warning the Israelites here, but this is a universal warning to everybody. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord, because on the day of the Lord, everybody's stuff (laughs) will be held against them, if you will. You see, so you, you can be wise in your own eyes. People can be righteous in their own eyes. They can think of themselves in a certain way that's really not accurate. So woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. You know, don't be motivated by vengefulness because that could come back on you. It says in verse 19, it will be like a man who flees from a lion only to have a bear confront him. So you'll be running away from the lion thinking you're safe and secure only to turn around and right in front of you is a bear. It says he goes home and rests his hand against the wall only to have a snake bite him. You get home, you think you're safe. You're thinking, okay, cool. Cool. Nope. There's a snake. See, verse 21. I hate, I despise your feasts. This is the Lord talking. I can't stand the stench. And so um, well, let me keep going. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. And so the Lord is saying when Israel uh, uh, was having these festivals or feasts to the Lord or they call a solemn assembly because something was going on and whatnot. And they were just doing this out of rote tradition because their hearts were elsewhere. They weren't sincere about it. You know, the Lord is saying, I can't stand this. This is phoniness. I hate it. You know, people are always going around saying, praise the Lord. This, that, and the other. It's just something we say. It's just something people say. Do they really mean it? Is it coming from their heart? Is it something sincere? You know, the Lord said, if it isn't, I can't stand it. It's a stench in my nostrils. He says in 22, even if you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I have no regard for your uh, fellowship offerings of fat and cattle. But let justice flow like water and and righteousness like an unfailing stream. He says, instead of these phony things, this is what I want. I want justice to flow from you and righteousness like an unfailing stream, like a never ending stream. In other words, you are righteousness. You don't perform righteousness. You are righteousness. You represent justice. You are justice. See, this is, what the, this is what the Lord wants. In chapter 6, it says, Woe to the complacent. Uh-oh. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion and to those who feel secure on the hill of Samaria. Appa- apparently, the hill of Samaria represents some degree of posh, luxury-type things. It says in verse 2, Well, he's saying he's he's saying to these people, you know, woe to those. And he's talking to the notable people of the land, you know, woe to you because you're just living in a lap of luxury off of the backs of other people. See, let's go on. It says cross over to Calna and see go from there to great Hamath. Um, Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Is your territory larger than yours? Or is their territory larger than yours? In other words, what the word is saying, and what the Lord is proclaiming here, he says, Look, go to these other places that were also magnificent, had magnificent houses and, and luxury and whatnot. I destroyed those territories. What makes you think I won't destroy yours? Verse four, it says, They lie on beds of inlaid they lie on beds inlaid with ivory. So this was a sign of 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 wealth and and, and rich folk, right? They lie on the beds inlaid with ivory, sprawled out on their couches. They dine on lambs from the flock and calves from the stall. And so they, they are living well. It says in verse six, they drink wine by the bowlful, and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. See, but they don't grieve over um, the, 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 the spiritual condition uh, condition the the spiritual poverty of the people. See? It says, therefore, they will now go into exile as the first of the captives. See? It says they're going to go into exile. Not only are they going to go into exile, they're going to be in the front of the line. And the feasting of those who sprawl out will come to an end. Their lavish living will come to an end. Israel's pride judge The Lord God has sworn by himself. This is the declaration of the Lord, the God of armies. I loathe Jacob's pride. If one thing that does, that should absolutely stand out as we go through the word is how much God despises pride because pride elevates one above the Lord himself. It says, and I hate his citadels. I hate his um, fortifications. Uh, so I will hand over the city and everything in it. Mm. Let's drop. No, well, let's go over to chapter seven. In chapter 7, it says, first vision, locusts. And so the Lord is going to deliver five visions to Amos. And we see here, the Lord God showed me this. He was forming a swarm of locusts uh, at the time. The spring crop uh, first began to sprout after the cutting of the king's hay. When the locusts finished eating the vegetation of the land, I said, Lord God, please forgive me. How will Jacob survive since he is so small? The Lord relented concerning this, I will, uh, this will not happen. Second vision, fire. The Lord showed me this, the Lord God was calling for a judgment by fire. It consumed the great deep and devoured the land. Then I said, Lord God, please stop. How will Jacob survive since he is so small? The Lord relented concerning this, this will not happen either, said the Lord God. The third vision, a plumb line or measuring line. A plumb line measures how vertical something is, like a wall. And it says, he showed me this. The Lord, uh, the Lord was standing there by a vertical wall with a plumb line in his hand. The Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? I replied, a plumb line. The Lord said, I am setting up a plumb line among my people Israel. I will no longer spare them. In other words, the Lord is setting up a line to measure the verticality of the people. Are they straight? Are they crooked? <laughs> you see, and he says, um, uh, I will no longer spare them because they, they have not found to measure correctly. This is Amaziah's opposition. Now, Amaziah, the priest, of, uh, the priest of Bethel, sent word to King Jeroboam of Israel saying, Amos has conspired against you right here in the house of Israel. The land cannot endure all his words. And so Amos was prophesying the word of the Lord and the, and the chief priest sent to the king, we can't have this. Think about this. The chief priest is saying to the king that this guy who's proclaiming the word of God, we can't have it. How how ironic is that? It says in verse 11, for Amos has said this, Jeroboam will will die by the sword, and Israel will certainly go into exile from its homeland. This is coming from God. It says in verse 12, then Amaziah said to Amos, go away, you seer, flee to the land of Judah, own your living uh, and give your prophecies there free from the northern kingdom get out of israel and go down to judah and speak what you got to say down there we don't want to hear but don't ever prophesy in bethel again for it is the king's sanctuary and a royal temple you see from amaziah's perspective god doesn't come into this equation see he said this is the king's sanctuary see It's not that he doesn't think that this is God's sanctuary. No, this is the king's sanctuary and a royal temple, a royal temple, not God's temple. Amaziah is screwed up. Then it says in verse 14, so Amos answered uh, Amaziah. In verse 16, he says, now hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel. Do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will be a prostitute in the city. Your sons and daughters will fall by the sword and your land will be divided up with a measuring line, <clears throat> with a measuring line. You yourself will die on pagan soil and Israel will certainly go into exile from its homeland. So that was Amos's answer to Amaziah with regard to not prophesying in Israel. Your wife will become a prostitute. Hmm. Chapter eight, fourth vision, a basket of summer fruit. The Lord showed me this, a basket of summer fruit. He asked me, what do you see, Amos? I replied, a basket of summer fruit. The Lord said to me, the end has come for my people Israel. I will no longer spare them. Now, what does a basket of summer fruit has to do with this? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. But apparently it represented the end of something and so because the Lord says that the end has come for my people Israel I will no longer spare them I've had it so let's drop down here do, 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 do. no let's not drop down let's go on wait a minute did I not do that yes in verse 11 let's drop down to verse 11 it says look the days are coming this is the declaration of the Lord God when I will send a famine through the land, but not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Wow. So when we think of the word famine, we think of sustenance, right? We think of food, drink, whatever. But the the word is saying here, there's a famine. There's a dearth of the word. And so, and so you know, um, think Jesus, uh, Jesus said that man shall not live by uh, bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so we need more than just food to eat and and liquid to drink. See, in order to live righteously and accurately, we need the word of the Lord. But it says here, but, uh, but, I will send a famine of the hearing of the word of the Lord. Remember, there were no books back then. And so the way people got the word of God was pronouncements from the priests and prophets and so on and so forth. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to kill that. Enough of that. You ain't ain't listening anyway. Mm. And let's go on to chapter nine. And it says, fifth vision, the Lord beside the altar. And it says, I saw the Lord standing beside the altar and he said, strike the capitals of the pillars so that the threshold shake, uh, knock them down on the heads of all the people. Then I will kill the rest of them with the sword. None of those who flee will get away. None of the fugit- fugitives will escape. And so it says, strike the capitals of the pillar, which is the top of the pillar so that the uh, threshold will shake It's talking about the roofs. So knock the pillars down so that the roofs fall on the people. See, and he says, Those that survive, it says, I'll kill the rest of them with the sword. Mm. Verse 4 And if they are driven by their enemies into captivity, from there I will command the sword to kill them. I will keep my eye on them for harm and not for good. Lord's tick. Judgments, or excuse me, announcement of judgments. Let's drop down to verse 7. And it says, Israelites, are you not like the Cushites to me? Now remember, the Cushites are what is modern day Ethiopian. So we have the Ethiopians. So he's saying, Israelites, are you not like the Ethiopians to me? Now, <laughs> This, this, this is important to me anyway, because what this, you know, Ethiopians are Africans, are black Africans. And so the Lord is saying, Israelites, are you not like these black Af- Africans to me? And so in, in the Lord's eyes, all people are the same. <laughs> it doesn't matter, you see. And, but to the Israelites, what Ethiopia represented was a remote, exotic territory. And so the Lord is essentially saying, uh, Israelites, is your land not the remote land of, of Cush to me, in other words, I judge them, I'm going to judge you. It's all the same, even though you're my people. <laughs> it says in verse 8, look, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom, I will, and I will obliterate it from the face of the earth. However, I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob. This is the Lord's declaration. So again, he's telling them, judgment is coming. It's going to be severe and harsh, but I'm going to leave a remnant. I'm not going to totally wipe you out. Verse 10, all the sinners among my people who say disaster will never overtake us or confront us will die by the sword. Then the word has an announcement of restoration. So we have destruction. Now here comes the restoration. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When the plowman will overtake the reaper and the one who treads grapes, the sower of seed. The mountains will drip with sweet wine and all the hills will flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel. They will rebuild and occupy ruined cities, plant vineyards and drink their wine, (laughs) make gardens and eat their produce. I will plant them on their land and they will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them. The Lord your God has spoken, period, end of story. I added the period in the story, but that's what happens when the Lord has spoken, there's nothing else to be said. End of story. And so with that, we are done with the book of uh, Amos and we will start the book of Obadiah and finish the book of Obadiah tomorrow, as it is very short, it is only one chapter. We will also get into the book of Jonah, which will be a lot of fun. And so remember, in Romans chapter 10, the Lord is making an invitation to us all. And the word says that the message is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. It's not far. It's right there. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. This is Paul talking um, to the Romans. And he's saying, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Those are the conditions. Confess with your heart you know, confess, excuse me, confess with your heart, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, because you can say anything, that doesn't mean you believe it, and so you have to speak it into existence, and it has to be motivated by sincerity, See? believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and the word promises that you ser- shall be saved, because the Lord God does not distinguish between Greek or Jew it's available to us all so with that everybody take care we'll see you tomorrow in episode 107 bye bye 107 170 (laughs) bye bye now